It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go. It's the pregame show as your Pittsburgh Steelers, your black and gold phenoms, your heroes, the men of steel, get ready to try to wipe that taste out of their mouth from a loss in Los Angeles that occurred last week. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and this is Here We Go, the pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I am with one of my favorites to work with. His name is Kevin Smith. He is the coach. And Kevin, happy Thanksgiving, my man. Yes, sir, Brian. You too. Uh, did you do your uh, patriotic duty and gain uh, three to five pounds yesterday? You know what? I was actually, uh, I had one helping. And that's it. Oh, wow. I, I went and usually I, I'm a hogger, but I, I just decided to... Uh, I had a lot of different things on my plate, but I had some portion control, which is very odd for me because that's, uh, that's not what I do. That goes against the grain of my uh, fiber. <laughs> yeah. Look at you being grown up and responsible. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do plenty of things that aren't. So I think like to me, thanks. Thanksgiving is like the super bowl of eating, you know? And I just, uh, I, I actually have, have a, like a game plan like plan for it. Cause I know that I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to get after it. So <laughs> are you like I, uh, Joey on friends? You uh, grab the wife, the wife's old maternity pants. and <laughs> you're eating pants. <laughs> I do. I mean, we host Thanksgiving. So we have like 30 people in our house. Uh, so I have to be somewhat presentable, but uh, yeah. Oh boy. I loved it yesterday. I love Thanksgiving. It's just a, a holiday. I feel grateful for, 
you know, my friends and my family. And it's nice to have our family here and we cook a feast and it's always a nice day. So I enjoyed it yesterday tremendously. Well, I should put you on BTSC gives thanks the uh, Thanksgiving memory show. <laughs> I know I should have, uh, you know, I just, with our season winding down and everything, I just wasn't able to, to get the time. But uh, now that we're done, I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting a little more involved in the uh, podcast crew and all the good stuff at BTSC. Well, we love having you here and we thank you so much. And I would like to uh, give you an opportunity to uh, wrap up your season and let us know uh, where we stand as far as the ocean city red Raiders go. Yeah, we finished. So we lost the championship game, unfortunately, but uh, we went down to some dudes, some, some guys who were, were very, very talented and, just the speed that they were able to put on the field was a little too much for us. Boy, speed puts a lot of pressure on you. You know, you can, you, it gives you an idea about why the you know, scouts and GMs and guys that get so enamored with speed because it just, it forces you to be so fundamentally sound. And, you know, the slightest error, a missed tackle can turn a four yard play into a 40 yard play. And uh, so we weren't able to get it done there, but we, we wrapped up on Thanksgiving with a win. So we finished 12 and one. I mean, that's a mo- most wins in school history in a single season. So we're really proud of our, our guys. And it was a, it was a great, great ride. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I know how proud you are of your boys and the coaching staff and everybody on that team. So my hat's off to you and thanks for sharing those updates every single week on here we go. Steelers pregame show. Yeah. So it's not Steelers football, but it is something that's happening in your world. And I just want to say thank you for how you mold these boys into men playing football. And it's just an honorable thing. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Brian. I mean, I, I, sometimes I have to like, uh, like kick myself and think like, you know, I'm getting paid to do this. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's something that you love. You get paid to do something that you love. I think that's, uh, that's a huge win in life. So uh, absolutely. And man, I, just, we, I think about, you know, you here at BTSC, same thing, you know? And, you know, I get paid to watch the Steelers now. And when my wife tells people that why we can't go somewhere on a Sunday, they're like, he can't miss a game. She's like, no, he, that's his part-time job. And plus it's an excuse not to have to do things and just sit home and watch the Steelers. So I love it. But I'm also, as you know, something that I'm really thankful for is being a scout master and I don't get paid for that but I really do get paid in the gratitude. And I have, I have a one that's going for his Eagle scout right now. And it's just so great to watch him from throughout the years, what he has done. And so getting to mold the youth and the future of our communities is absolutely amazing. So it's not being a football coach, but it's, it's different and similar all at the same time. And it's something that uh, when it's time to read my obituary, hopefully a long time from now, but when it's time to read it, that it reads somebody that, that is remembered for helping out the community and uh, molding, molding scouts and molding people and human beings. And so that's something that I really enjoy. And I know that's what you do. So that's why I'm giving thanks to you. Yeah. You know, Brian, uh, young people need good role models in their lives. I know that sounds like kind of an obvious statement, but I, I just think there's a lot of pressure on kids today. Pressure probably that you and I didn't face growing up. Uh, there's just college is so expensive. 
there's pressure on kids to get academic scholarships, athletic scholarships. There's pressure on kids to sort of fit into, you know, certain social scenes in a way that probably there wasn't before, and which isn't to say that it didn't exist before, but now with Instagram and social media and kids being constantly like told about, you know, how they should look, how they should act, how they should walk, talk, think, et cetera. I just feel like the more that kids can get good guidance from adults who sort of have kind of been through the process already, uh, the better they'll be. So whether it's coaching scouts, you know, theater, my, older, my, my, yeah, teaching, my, my older son was really into, uh, he was really into plays and theater and, and ha- had some phenomenal role models in that world. So wherever you can find it, uh, it's beneficial. And a lot of times you don't even know, like, you don't, you don't even know the impact you make, uh, because most kids will never express it. And then fortunately every once in a while you run into somebody down the road and they express their gratitude. And that's really, that's really an awesome experience. You know, watching the game the other night and Steelers in Los Angeles and watching them go from being 17 down to being up late in the game, it was exhilarating. But for me, what was exhilarating even more was watching the photos of the TJ Watts and the Cam Haywards and the rookies all with turkeys in their hands, helping out people, giving meals, you know, Mike Tomlin organizes that every year you know you got to see the chargers side of that as well and when i saw that i'm like look not everybody's a spoiled athlete not everybody is uh turning their back on the community and so i i love it i love to see those role models giving back as well and when you think of an ultimate role model on the pittsburgh steelers it's one of the youngest guys on this team and it's Najee harris and I go back to draft day with Najee Harris and where everybody, a lot, some of these guys are having lush parties and here he's in a homeless shelter, which once he was the beneficiary of what they give and he was giving back and having all these kids at his party, having homeless people at his party. That was absolutely amazing to me. So that makes me even more proud of the team that I love. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, that young man is not hard to root for. He's a warrior on the field, and he's a person of tremendous character off the field. So no matter you know how many yards per carry he averages this year or how he performs, you know that, that we've got a, a good person that we're rooting for here. All right. I'm going to try a segue here. So how important to the game plan is Najee Harris this week? Well, I think back to the first – Cincinnati game and granted the Steelers fell behind and had to play some catch up and kind of got away from the run, but they threw the ball 58 times in that first game. That's, that's not counting sacks. I think there was four sacks. So they got, so really they dialed up 62 pass plays. Uh, and Najee Harris, I think carried the ball 14 times. So they, they obviously want to be a, they don't, that's not the recipe for success for the Steelers. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want to have to do that. Ben Roethlisberger has turned in some of his best performances of the year. I think the last couple of weeks, obviously discounting the Detroit game that he missed and they haven't, you know, they haven't thrown as much. So if they can get Najee Harris going early, not, and it doesn't even have to be Najee Harris. If they, even if they can do some things in the run game with the wide receivers, we saw them a couple of weeks ago, make some money with, with the receivers on jet sweeps, reverses, just being able to, to you know, push the ball on the ground and get themselves into 
makeable second down situations, then you're now not asking Roethlisberger to have to like put the team on his shoulders completely. Cause he's not that guy anymore. We, what we've seen from Ben Roethlisberger this year is he can still be a very effective NFL quarterback, but he, but you don't want him to have to be the guy who, you know, be the miracle worker. Right? He's not that, that guy from 10 years ago. So getting a run game established, keeping the Steelers out of second and long situations or, or, or obvious passing situations and not having to put too much on Roethlisberger's plate will be a huge key to success this week. Defensive injuries aside, you take Ben Roethlisberger's line of even four years ago. Let's go back four years. The 2017 offensive line, you give that to Ben Roethlisberger now. What do they have? One loss? Yeah, uh, that's a frustrating exercise to do because oh yeah, because you're, you're, you're right, you're right, and they're going to have to live with what they have up front. They, there's there's nobody, you know, Alan Fanica, uh, primetime Alan Fanica is not walking through the door anytime soon. So uh, Kendrick Green has gotten beat up a little bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, we saw Dan Moore Jr. struggle a little bit against LA and. They're going to struggle, but that doesn't mean that the Steelers can't be successful in offense and, and can't be successful in the run game. It just it just puts a little more pressure on Matt Canada to have to find the right calls, uh, the right situations specifically for when he wants to call things. And again, I know I just said it, but I really want to emphasize it again. If the Steelers can be good on first down, they can alleviate a lot of that pressure because when they're not good on first down and they're into second and nine, defenses really start teeing off. So just wh- whether it's by the play action pass, the screen game, you know, little gadgets, jet sweeps, reverses, et cetera, or just being able to sort of knock Cincinnati off the football a little bit better than they did in that first meeting. If they can be in second four, second five, second six, I think they're going to have a good day. So let's continue to talk about that offensive line, Kevin. You, we talked about some rookies that are struggling. But now you're going into week 12, which is game 11 for this team. And my question is, do you leave them alone? Do you you tinker with that? Because we're going to see Zach Banner get up to speed where he can play even more. I mean, he had had three, uh, I believe, three plays in the Detroit game. I don't know how many times he was on the field last week against Los Angeles. But my question is, do you mess with the heads of these guys or you leave them alone? And that's Dan Moore Jr. And a guy who's been getting a lot of flack lately, it seems, Kendrick Green. If Banner's healthy, I'd like to see him on the field. One thing we know about that guy is he can run block. Whether he can hold up in pass protection has been a question, and we really don't have an adequate answer because we just didn't get a big sample size last year. We know that Dan Moore has had some struggles in pass protection. And we know that Kendrick Green has had some struggles in the run game because he's just kind of been, you know, physically manhandled by some of these NFL one techs. So putting Zach Banner on the field, maybe kicking Tukakorafor over to the left tackle is something that I think is if Banner is ready to go, which I, I don't believe he is just yet. But when he gets there, I think it's something that the Steelers have to really entertain. I'm not a big fan of moving J.C. Hassenhauer to center. I think we've seen that act before. I think he's done some decent things at guard the last couple of weeks when he's had to fill in, but 
I would be, if I had to make a move, it would be to replace more in the starting lineup with banner, move a core for over, but I'm not, I, I, I think we got to live with green at center. I just don't think that Hassenhauer is an upgrade. Well, I don't even know if Hassenhauer is coming back, Kevin. Um, there's, they're saying that he's, he has not been put on injured reserve for the rest of the season. That peck is not torn, but yeah. you know, that's uh we might not see him for a while. We could see him in 2021, but it might be a, it might be like Filer last season where he doesn't come back until the first playoff game, which something that I didn't want to see them do replacing Kevin Dotson with as good as Kevin Dotson was last season in his stead. Now I want to ask you this, how important is Kevin Dotson to this team? He's kind of an enigma, isn't he? I, I, there's, there were times last year where he just looked like he was going to be the next, you know, great stealer lineman. And then this year he's really struggled and he's been injured and then out in the lineup a little bit. And uh, there, there's still been da- games where he's had moments where he's looked great. But I think the issue with him has been consistency. You know, we just haven't seen him put together 60 minutes of, you know, solid offensive line play. There's always seems to be a breakdown of some sort. And I, I don't know what that is. I, I just think if you, if I draw on kind of my own experience as a coach, a lot of times for, players who lack consistency it's an inability to to focus or it's some sort of discipline issue whether that be like a mental discipline I don't know what practice habits or his practice habits are like there he got some criticism in the offseason for maybe not working hard enough I I don't put any stock into that because unless you're there how do you really know I, I don't like these second or third hand reports about this person said that something that they overheard about this player so I don't know. I can't pinpoint what, what, what has been the issue really with Kevin Dotson. It just doesn't seem like he's progressed maybe the way that some people had hoped this year. Um, and man, some of that is health. Some of that is maybe he's just not you know, uh, uh, fully healthy. But boy, it would be nice to really get him going for the stretch run. Absolutely. And I think that with him being out uh, most of uh, the game with the Lions and then last week, against the chargers i i think we're actually missing him a whole lot more now with that being said another one last guy i want to bring up on this line i think we've talked about almost everybody on the line but each week are you feeling that the trey turner acquisition was uh a steal at this point yeah he's definitely the most physical lineman when i when i watch the film he's the one guy that i see who's still who's like really moving people and and it, and it seems like he's now i thought he struggled a little bit early in the year with his communication which was you know to be expected because he's now having to acclimate himself to new teammates but he's he seems to be sort of taking a more vocal role up front which is great because i would think that kendrick green could really benefit from having a veteran offensive lineman who you know, has been around the block and knows the ropes and can help him with the calls and the communication. And it kind of seems like Trey Turner's doing a little bit more of that. So really for a guy that the Steelers kind of plucked off of uh, the waiver wire, pretty much, is that how they acquired him? Was he a waiver claim or did they get him for a low round? They didn't have to trade for him, correct? No, no. He was, uh, when they decided that uh, they were going to release David DeCastro, they pulled him off of the waiver wire 
basically he was a, a free agent because he wasn't really on the waiver wires. They didn't have to go through anything. They just grabbed him. Yeah. So I, I, so having, not having to give up anything for him is uh, one of the best acquisitions they made this year. Absolutely. So what we need to talk about next is who on the Cincinnati Bengals on the offensive and defensive side of the ball should concern the Steelers coordinators the most. And we are going to do that when we come back right after this on BTSC's Here We Go, the pregame show. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. I am Brian Anthony Davis, assisting me once again. And I don't want to even say assisting me right here. He's a co-pilot, just like I'm a co-pilot. So integral to the show. Coach Kevin T. Smith. What's the T stand for, Kevin? Thatcher. It's my maiden name, my, my mom's maiden name and uh, family name. Very English. I love it. You know, well, well oh, yeah. my wife's family's English, so I get it. I know yours is too. Um, I was going to guess Thomas. So that's interesting. Oh yeah. We had some very, very, I, I grew up with a, on my mom's side of the family, some very, very proper English people, which is, which was a fun experience because on my dad's side of the family, it was a, a bunch of drunks. So, you know, <laughs> that, I got, I got all, I got the whole spectrum growing up. You know? Absolutely. Love it. It's uh, I love talking about family. So that's, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so Kevin, let's get into this. The Cincinnati yeah. Bengals, they have beaten the Steelers the last two times they've played. Now, Joe Burrow was a part of the last game, not a part, a major party who started, but he didn't play in that December 21st game last year on Monday night football, which was kind of a disaster. So is he the most important guy on this football field or is it a guy like Mixon? Is it a guy like Jamar chase or is it one of the older receivers there? Like Mr. Boyd from Pitt. You know, I mean, I'm going to kind of actually go in a little bit of a different direction with your question because I don't know if it's an individual. I think it's more of a scenario. I think the Steelers really have to protect against the big play in this game. And, and that can come from any of those guys that you just mentioned, especially Jamar Chase, who's been fabulous as a, as a rookie. But when I think back to the first game, uh, the Steelers lost 24 to 10. So you would think, well, the, all the statistics and everything would suggest that they got hammered. But I mean, here's just here. Just here's some things to throw out of you, right? In the first game, the Steelers had 21 first downs. The Bengals had 12. In the first game, the Steelers ran 77 plays. The Bengals ran 42. The Steelers ran 35 more plays than the Bengals did. That's like almost unheard of. The Steelers had 35 and uh, plus minutes of possession. The Bengals had 24 minutes. So the Steelers had the ball for 11 more minutes, ran 35 more plays, got nine more first downs, outgained Cincinnati by like 70 yards. And, and it wasn't even that close. Cincinnati won, like, easily. So why was that? Because, one, the Steelers turned the ball over a couple times and gave Cincinnati short fields that they converted into points. And, two, Cincinnati, when they, when they scored, they scored on short drives that 
uh, involve big plays. So the Steelers have to protect against those two things. They've got to, they got to control the football like they did in the first game, but cash in. And that's another thing that we could point to that. I mean, Pittsburgh had an 18 play 88 yard drive in that first game that resulted in a field goal, which, you know, you got the ball, you, you go 18 plays, you need to get seven. And then they had a 13 play 70 something yard drive where they got no points. They turned it over on down. So there's an awful lot of, squandered opportunities sloppy play and uh and just big plays by cincinnati that that decided that first game so well i think if if i if i was giving a simple one or you know one person answer to your question i think it's jamar chase because i think that kid has been has been the catalyst for cincinnati's offense it's just the it's it's that scenario that we just laid out that i think is the the thing that pittsburgh can't repeat now, how do they do that? Because we've seen some defensive backs struggling as of late. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick is back from his COVID diagnosis. He has been cleared. He is going to play on Sunday, and that is a very big deal for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we do not know as of yet whether Joe Hayden is going to be playing. You know, he has been practicing. He's still questionable at this point. And with Joe Hayden out, or is this team completely on an island in the defensive backfield when they're playing a guy like Jamar Chase? Yeah, that certainly hurts not having Hayden. That's that's obvious. But but the thing that really hurt in the first game, the, the Steelers had no sacks. They did they did not they did not have any sacks against against Cincinnati, and and that obviously was a huge key to Cincinnati's success. Just not being able to get the pressure. You, you would you would like you know with a guy like Joe Burrow who was still a young quarterback and the Steelers played him early in the season. Um, I think it was week three and Burrow was, you know, still coming back from that knee injury. You would, you would like to have been able to obviously get more pressure on him and make him less comfortable in the pocket. So the biggest thing with or without Joe Hayden, but especially without him will be, they got to, they got to pressure the quarterback. Now having TJ Watt back obviously is huge, but they're going to have to find ways when they look at the film of that first game to say to themselves, all right, you know, what did we do? Uh, how was Cincinnati able to uh, combat it? What were their protections? I haven't watched a lot of that film of that first game, but Cincinnati did a nice job chipping with their tight ends, keeping their backs in. Uh, they were able to basically just, you know, go a little bit more max protection and, and get those receivers time to shake loose. So the Steelers are going to have to have an answer for that. They, you know, it's funny. Pittsburgh hasn't blitzed as much this year as they as they have in the past. This might be a, a week where maybe they they take some chances there. Now, of course, you say you can say to yourself, well, if they blitz, they're they're going to put their corners on an island, and now now you you might give up those big plays. Uh, but you're going to have to figure out one way or another how are we getting pressure on Burrow because if if Burrow has the time that he had last time. Grant, he, you know, he only threw the ball 18 times, but he had 14 completions. So, you know, if, if, if a guy's completing 70-something percent of his passes, it's going to be a bad day for the Steelers. Absolutely. So one guy that you did not mention in there that a lot of people, I even forgot about this, and I realized that Alex Highsmith did not play in that game as well. So two huge pass rushers for this team were not in that game. So yeah. that could make a huge difference. In fact, that's a script flipper, if you ask me. 
on defense. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, what else is a script flipper. When I think about, that's a great term, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know uh, if I coined that, but I, I've heard to trade trademark that. One I've heard flip on. the script, but I've never heard script flipper. But it just came out. <laughs> um, you know, I remember back after after the first game. Remember what some of the Bengals said after the game about that about the Steelers? Oh yeah, and I'm going to. I was going to address that because oh, okay. I've. Uh, in fact, let's do that now. Yeah. Because this yeah. was one of my main questions for you, and I, I want to do it right now. Sure. What's yeah, your experience that, with bulletin board material? Uh, I, I, it doesn't decide football games yeah, because you get into a football game, you, you kick off, you got all the adrenaline's pumping, and, and uh, that lasts about five minutes. And then it just comes down to te- blocking and tackling and, and the game plan. But, it, but it, it's not inconsequential. And especially, I think that to the pride of a professional athlete, to be accused of quitting is a really, like that to me, that's a heavy accusation. You know, because what you're basically, you, you can look at that in one of two ways. And, and you, you either quit because you don't, you give up on your teammates, which is a, a, a heavy burden for any kind of, professional athlete who's got any respect for for the logo you know and the for the for the the helmet you know uh to handle that's a that's a heavy accusation to to know that you quit on your teammates is one of the worst things that can happen to a locker room or the other reason would be because the team that you played against made you quit and i got i took what the cincinnati players said as like we made the steelers quit tyler boyd yep and that, that's going to piss some people off in the Pittsburgh locker room. That, that is one of those things that you're not going to forget, especially because it's coming from the Bengals. It's not like, like you could almost, I'm not saying it's excusable, but you can almost understand how if you go back to like the Tom Brady Patriots, who just had the Steelers number, how there were some contests there where maybe late in the game, the Steelers were of the mindset to like, oh my God, it's happening again. And, and, and it gets to you and maybe you don't, play as hard as you could have because you're kind of mentally defeated Brady has is in your head and he's gotten to you again but these are the Bengals the 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 Steelers are not mentally defeated by the Bengals uh and so for them to make that accusation I think is going to really resonate with some Steeler players and especially guys like Cam Hayward who will who will definitely let the Steelers know about it this week all right so I have a couple of things I want to say, and I understand exactly what you're going to say about bulletin board material that, you know, five minutes, that's it's over. But one thing that happened last year in that December 21st game, Juju danced on the logo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, uh, we had some debates here on whether, you know, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, what have you? But I will say this about that. They went after Juju hard. Yeah, they didn't go after the Steelers hard. They went after Juju and they caused a fumble that ended up being a touchdown a few plays later. And they cracked him with with no remorse. They had no problem doing it. So I want to flash forward to now. Tyler Boyd says that about your team and he calls you out. And that is one of the worst things you can call a man or a woman, any competitor. When you say we made them quit, you question in, in this particular 
in this particular juncture, you question the Pittsburgh Steelers manhood. You question their courage. You question everything, the fiber of their being, their complete fabric. You question it all. You belittled them to a point by saying, we now own you. So if the Steelers don't get a big red Sharpie and circle the date November 28th and say, there's not a bounty. I'm not saying a bounty, but we are going to knock number 83's head off of his body. If they do not say that in football terms, then I would be disappointed. Get me, you get me fired up here, Brian. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm ready to go. I'm getting ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying target, but, you know, I'm a huge hockey fan. I'm a huge slap shot fan. I was at the filming. I, I was at four, I was four years old, so I know I don't remember it at all. But I know I was there. My mom was an extra. And when they keep on saying, let them know you're there. Let Tyler Boyd know you're there and tell him emphatically with your body knocking his body into next Tuesday by saying, nah, you're still little brother and you are not going to use those words against us. You are not going to question my manhood you are not going to say that we quit we are now going to we don't have the time nor inclination for what you think is going to fire up your fans and your media we are going to let you know that we are not quitters and you made us nothing yeah and a lot of that falls on on mike tomlin if i were mike tomlin i would take that very personally as well because that's a challenge to the head coach, you, the head coach uh, is you. You are in charge of the demeanor uh, of the program. You you set the culture, and the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all know what it is. It's always been blue collar, great work ethic. If you're going to beat the Steelers, you're going to have to put on your big boy pants and and beat them in a physical sixty minute slugfest because the Steelers are going to bring it. And what Tyler Board said was, man, that's not the case. We, we made him quit. We made him roll over. So if you're Mike Tomlin, then this is a challenge to you this week as well to, to say, all right, who are we? You know, who are we really as the football team? What's our identity? It's actually a great opportunity right now when you think about it for the Steelers to sort of reestablish their identity. They want to be a physical football team. They've struggled at times this year to be that team. And now here's a team that's basically challenged their manhood, like you just said. And uh, in a game where the Steelers are going to want to, if they're going to be successful, uh, are going to need to to control the line of scrimmages on both sides of the ball. What a great opportunity now for Mike Tomlin as head coach to reiterate that message over and over and over again this week. Absolutely, because when you take the integrity and you just stomp on it like Tyler Boyd did. I was always a fan of Tyler Boyd. You know, of course, I, I root for pit players. Now, PE1, public enemy number one this week. It's not Jamar Chase. It's not Joe Burrow. It is Tyler Boyd. And I'm the kind of guy that, I mean, let me t- tell you this story. I, for some reason, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I had, uh, I was in a situation where 
a uh, I don't know whether it was over parking space, what it was, but a woman just completely got in my face and her, her guy was with her too. And she was say, I mean, she was saying horrible things. I can't remember what it was. And I'm, I'm happy go lucky. I, I never get into a fight, but she had a chip on her shoulder that day and came after me. And I, all I remember saying is, ma'am, I'm going to tell you one thing. You say one more thing. I'm going to knock his block off. (laughs) I remember saying that. So that's when I, the reason I brought up that story, because I'm never going to touch a lady that is completely against my fabric, but I just told her I was going to knock his block off and she shut up. But in this case, Tyler Boyd, your team's going to pay too. Joe Burrow is going to get hit harder in this game. Joe Mixon's going to get hit harder. Jamar Chase is going to be limping after this game because of those words, because you don't do that. There, there just doesn't I, – I don't think that Tyler Boyd understood nah, – maybe he did. I don't know. Been yeah, around a long time. Yeah. I, when, he, when he said what he did, I don't know if he understood the, the impact that it might have to – the pride of the Steelers and, and may I'm, and I'm making an assumption that it is having an impact and I would hope that it does. But I think that the, maybe in that moment that he, he was feeling himself a little bit and maybe that might be what he felt happened. And maybe it did, maybe it did happen. We, you know, we weren't on the field. We don't, we don't know what the body language of the Steelers was uh, in those moments or the effort exactly that they gave. And maybe, maybe he was having a, an, an honest moment where he thought to himself, this is, this is really what happened. But words have consequences. They do. And, and again, while I don't feel as though the, that bulletin board material decides games, I do certainly feel that they can, they can change the way teams approach situations. And I think that, they, that, that this is a big game for the Steelers, and they know that, but they've now been given sort of a, 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 an extra reason to be very attentive to uh, the details in this game. And, uh, and that's an advantage for Pittsburgh, no doubt. All right, as we're running short on time, let me ask you this. Defense, is there anyone really on that, that defense that keeps you awake at night? The Vontez Burfix, the Dunlaps, they're not there anymore. No, I mean, the guy I like, I think their best player is Jesse Bates. Oh, he's great. But, yeah, I, I mean, I really, I, I, I'd love him in, in Pittsburgh. But, uh, but does he keep me awake? Is he a guy you have to game plan for? for? Uh, I, it, I think it depends how they use him. He's going to be down around the line of scrimmage a decent amount. He, but then, you know, he'll be back in coverage where he can run sideline to sideline. So he's a really versatile guy. I think you have to be aware of him. But, what, you know, while I think Bates is their, is their best player, I think one way the Steelers can neutralize him is by being heavy with their tight ends. Uh, I thought that you know, Fryermuth has been playing great. I, I think Gentry will have a bigger role with uh, with Ebron being out again and um I think that if the Steelers want to be physical and run the football and and limit a little bit of what Jesse Bates does I think that by going 12 personnel they can do that very well so can the Steelers win this game Kevin and what would the score be yeah they can win this game I think they will win this game I I I picked the Steelers to win last week but it it was against my better judgment it was my heart not my head I really I really was hoping so much that they would win and I I feel the same way I'm hoping obviously that they'll win this week but I think given the 
given the the stakes, the bulletin board uh, material, and Ben Roethlisberger's history in the state of Ohio, the Steelers will win. I'm going to go uh, with a 27-24 Steelers victory. I hate that I feel this good about the game going in because that that sometimes backfires. That backfires a lot. But I think the Steelers are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a little closer. I'm going to go 34-33 this week, but still a B&G victory. And I think that this is their chance to take back a lot of things. Take uh, Shut the Bengals up. Take back the night from Cincinnati. And take back the division in the next two weeks. There's a possibility that they can with the uh, there's some tough games for the Steelers, but there's tough games for AFC North opponents. You're not going to uh, no one's going to finish with only three losses here. So with that being said, the division is going to get really exciting and I cannot wait, but it has to start this week, Kevin. Yeah. And if it's 34, 33, we're all, we'll all be clutching our hearts at the end because after last week's game, wouldn't it be, it'd be nice if they just had the 16, 16 tie to Detroit. And then last week's game, it'd be nice if we had an easy one. It's not going to be an easy one, but it would be nice. Yeah. It never is. Nothing's ever easy anymore, but that's okay. And the league is just that way. I, I have never been more riveted in the last two minutes of games as I have the last couple of years, especially this year. Yeah, for sure. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks so much for your time. It was a a fun time talking about the Steelers and the Bengals. I love AFC North games. I got to tell you, this is going to be absolutely a slobber knocker. I really think it is Uh, not tough defenses, not uh, you're not going to have the 85 bears against the uh, 2000 Ravens and the 76 Steelers. You're not going to have that, but you're going to have an intense fight. I uh, don't forget the Mike Hilton factor in there. He's going to be running his mouth too. So with all of that, I can't wait for game time and it's coming up. So there's one thing to do. I just have to say this for Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Grab that terrible towel and start rooting.